Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Atfield. We are back again after people having kids, people being sick and, and, and everything else. Um, yeah, it's been a little bit. <laughs> it's been a bit, folks. I, I do not I do not have in front of me. I think it's been probably a month since our last episode, probably a little longer. Yeah, it sounds right. Um, yeah, in this, in this period of time, you... You, you know, Chris, you, you were, you went to the Belmont, you had like, you, you got sick <laughs> yeah. at the Belmont or like gross and have this the respiratory, which wasn't COVID. No, I, I mean, I went on a run uh, and, you know, some may say it's self-inflicted, but I, dude, I just dying to get out. Like, like everybody else, like, yeah, like everybody else, hot back. Summer, yeah, so I went to, I went to a Celtics playoff game. I was there when the, the bottle was thrown you at Kyrie were. Irving. You were. We haven't even talked about that. Holy shit. Um, I was there when the bottle was thrown at Kyrie Irving. Um, I was directly, like, literally in front of You should have been on some happened. local radio shows for that. Like, we, we really, like... Did, I should have just called in and, and gave a, a obnoxious takes. So that would have been great. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there and went to the Belmont, which is a ridiculously enormous track um just just insanely large good time it is it is huge <laughs> and then after that came home and got you know directly after that got pneumonia and uh yeah it's been it's been fun times but it was a good <laughs> it was a good few days <laughs> it was you you had a time you had a time um i also had a time i started a new job yeah. which is cool and i i started a new child which was cool well i didn't start my <laughs> wife did um and she's doing great everyone's doing great it's as i was telling you before chris the the step up from one to two was like yo <laughs> it was just a, it was a gap it yeah, took me uh, a i mean it's I, I can't imagine something new i've been doing in maine um so, you know, I, I go to the same gas stations daily or, you know, <laughs> a few different types of gas stations. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a snacker. So I'll get something, you know, like in, in, in the lunch hour. And I've noticed that I tweeted this out today and you may have not even seen it, but one of the biggest differences between New Yorkers and, and New England people, and this excludes Boston people because I haven't really had many interactions with them. Um, but I've had a decent <laughs> amount of interactions with New Yorkers and, and just people in New England is, is people in New England. Um, when you're not reciprocating the same accent that they use, they will quickly lose their accent. They will try to talk in a, in a different type of tone that I guess is just a very basic of it. They try to remove their accent. Um, and I've noticed that several times because I'll go in sometimes to these, to these gas stations. And obviously I've never seen any of these humans before. And sometimes I'll talk in my normal tone. And then sometimes I'll try to force a Boston accent to see what happens. And my little social experiment, it, it, it's resulted in, in me and in, in those facts. People in New York, they don't give a damn. They'll talk to you however no, they want. They'll talk but, to you however you want. But that is that is something I noticed. Some real little oddity um, that I told you I, I was going to mention something to you. I know it's weird. That's that's pretty fascinating. I, I find that <laughs> I find that quite incredible. Um, I wonder if it's like I don't know. I mean, how do you how do you how do you think people? How nice do you think people are? I think like people here. I think people here are just really like straightforward. Uh, I don't think it's mean. I think, you know, people from Boston can tend to be a little harsh and people from New York can tend to be a little harsh. I still don't take it as mean, but people here are just very, you know, straightforward. I've always viewed Southerners as like a fake nice. Yes. Uh, and, yes. and like a blanket. hundred percent. And, and obviously like a huge blanket, but I, I don't, I wouldn't say mean is the word here. I don't know that I've met like people that are just downright mean, like geographically, like Midwestern people have always been the hardest for me to interact. With. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think that's the same here. I don't, I don't know. People tell you what's on their mind. Uh, so that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. No, I, I, I always do say that about like Southern people, like, yes, a person will say like, hi, like they'll be nice to you like initially, but like the niceness is definitely, 
but then it's like fuck that guy as soon as they turn the it's a curtain the it's a curtain for something else and like yeah. i can't tell you how many times <laughs> i've seen somebody out in a bar and it's just like oh hey what's up i'm just like no nah, fucking hate that dude just like it's <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny though because it, br- it rubs on you because i've definitely been that person that's like hello and then like yeah exactly like when that person turns away it's like yeah fuck that guy but you and can't I feel like, it. yeah but like in new york like you could be like up in someone's grill at a bodega and like you're just not gonna say a word to them they're not gonna say a word to you you guys yeah. like it is not like it, you guys are getting all the same things you're looking at all the same aisles it's just but you're it's not gonna little, you're not gonna have that interaction with somebody it's a little refreshing and i'm not gonna say that i've established a tons of relationships with people up here because i haven't but i, I have with a few people but it's it's nice it's really nice to know you where you stand with people it is like i i, I do enjoy that i don't know i mean it, and it kind of rubs off on you because i feel like i have interactions with my family and i'm a little bit more blunt than i have been previously and i'm like i'm not trying to be a dick i'm just i don't know your product of your environment it's true it's interesting no 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 i i i noticed that i've noticed that before with like european people like they're way more like direct to you and it's like sometimes they'll just tell you hey like you're not doing this well or like i don't like that you do this but it's not like an insult it's just like hey this is just where i stand with you and just like just be aware of that yeah. it's like oh, I, I appreciate that generally <laughs> so it's fun and yeah other than that there are a bunch of ticks like blood sucking ticks in maine it is ridiculous um so if you ever come to maine keep that in mind that's um, good to know yeah not a not a I, i've Not definitely cool been thing. i don't know if it's because i talked to you but like i definitely get uh i got a lot of tiktoks about maine i get, I get like a lot <laughs> it's, of it's absolutely a lot of acadia me. tiktoks a lot of yeah. uh a lot of portland <clears throat> this random person who lives in portland which i ended up following because i was like hey you know what's portland maine like Don't and uh, i got a really good tiktok the other day it's like I've been, I've been in portland maine for 30 minutes and i'm like i'm from i think madison wisconsin and she's like i'm moving here and like, this is where I'm going to live the rest of my life. It's like, oh, that's cool. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, this is a great intro to like, because we have so much to talk about. Obviously, um, we could talk about a hundred different things. But Chris, we're going to talk uh, today. We are going to talk about this fun Rick Bozich, Purvis Ellison story that came out. Obviously, you know, I think that's kind of the the story of the day, um, you know, and that like a story of the day can be the story of the day on September the 8th in this city. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about Marcus Carr, of course, we, uh, and, and really break things down. It's 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 a a very interesting development and uh, at a very interesting time. Um, for we this, should for mention. Um, I didn't want to interrupt you, but no, we should please. mention. Um, the Marcus Carr, the, the the fake story that happened. Yes, we will mention it. We, we, <laughs> okay. we need to we need to, we need to get to that. Um, I, I did journalism. You so. did some journalism. I appreciate you. You, uh, you know, Inspector Chris, um, Chris <laughs> Hatfield Holmes, uh, Sherlock Hatfield. Um, also, we're going to talk a little bit about NLI. Just you know, that was obviously the big story, um, and then top it off with uh, there's been a lot of political news around here, with specifically Attica Scott and Charles Booker announcing their candidacies for for federal office. And we just wanted to talk a little bit about that because it's uh, it, it's a big to do. And uh, yes, let's do all of that on the other side of this glorious intro that you not, have not heard, listener friend, for about a month. See you on the other side. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. And we're back, Chris. As I said uh, in sort of the rundown here, you know, we missed a lot, obviously, but you know, we, we want to pick things up to where it's been. And this Rick Bozich from WDRB sports story um, that's come across is, is, is definitely going to be the, the radio fodder for the next day or two. Um, if you have not read it, the, the link will be in the notes. You could go read it if you'd like. Uh, but it's really, as you kind of said to me, cause it's, it's a weird story um, because it's, it's about weirdly written. It's very weirdly written because it's about Purvis Ellison, uh, running a you know running his basketball program the like the Jersey All Stars whatever basketball program Jersey New Jersey Scholars um, 
basketball program um, up in New Jersey and two guys on his team, DJ Wagner um, and Mackenzie Mbako. Um, oh no, but that's, that's on the next class, but yeah, but D- DJ Wagner, obviously being the first and foremost, who's a top, you know, top five player in the country for the 2023 class, obviously the son of Dewan Wagner and the grandson of Milt Wagner, you know, you have a legend. Um, and it's like, that, that's, that, that's the grab. Of the story. That's the grab is that, does that DJ Wagner has not heard, or at least Purvis Ellison has not heard on behalf of DJ Wagner from Louisville's basketball staff. Um, and sort of why isn't Louisville that turns into the, why doesn't Louisville care about the older people in the program? There's a, a Butch Beard mentioned. We've talked about the Butch Beard story before. Um, a few times. A few times. And then also the fact that, that Purvis Ellison had COVID and he's like fully vaccinated. He got the Delta strand and yeah. uh, put him in the hospital, <laughs> which is kind yeah. of wild. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to hear, hear my initial take on this has nothing to do with the article um, is that I, I feel like Rick Bozich called Purvis Ellison to see how he was doing after having COVID. And this turned into that. Like it wasn't this, necessary. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. And I'll, I will concede <laughs> to you that we, we had a discussion just a few days ago and not like an argument, but just, just a discussion where I was like, you know, I, I didn't think that Bozik, I thought he mostly was writing fluff pieces these days. And that's the word I use exactly. <laughs> and I will tell you that I was wrong. No, um, you're not is, wrong. This well, but this is just like, I, whether the points are valid or not, the, the, the content of the story is just real lazy. Like, it's just like, you're exactly right. Like, it's like, he called him up to, to like, I'm going to write a story, a column about you about having COVID and, and you know, whatever you're doing with your life. And this dude was like, I want to bitch about this. And he's like, okay, we'll put in a few quotes and, you know, uh, a few butch beer mentions. And, you know, you have your article that we seemingly get, you know, once every two months now. Um, yeah, I, I, it's so weird. Like, I, I don't understand this angle of, you know, uh, there's a lot of resentment from the Patino era and there's a lot of resentment of old players towards Chris Mack when, when like I'll, I'll come at Chris Mack on some things, but he's been really inviting of almost every former player, like opening practices and, you know, doing whatever. And that's just a weird, weird like point to take for me. I don't know. Yeah. And it's especially weird on sort of this front. Cause I've heard that you know, in relation to DJ Wagner, I've heard that Milt Wagner's actually been one of the guys locally. That's, that's been at those practices. That's shown up to events. that has been to Chris yeah. Mack's house. So it's kind of interesting that those things intersect here. I, I will say, Chris, and I, I'm, I don't know, I don't know enough about these situations and I don't know what's in the minds of these folks, but it does seem to me that for the most part, the guys who feel this way are folks that don't live in the area. Yeah. And that, you know, and obviously, you know, these kids, these guys went to UVL in the eighties and the nineties and they're from other places, you know, UVL is a nationally prominent program. So they're not all going to be in the area, but it does seem to me that, uh, you know, because Mac has opened his doors, but Mac can't go to New Jersey to go be buddy, buddy with Perfect Selson. He can't sure. go to Florida to go be buddy, buddy with Butch Beard. It's, it's, it, it's, that's not, that's not, that's not feasible and possible. Um, and I, I, re, I refuse to be like an ageist about this because I'm yes. guilty of that sometimes, yes. but like, it, it's hard for me to read this stuff and not take it as any other thing than, a bunch of old guys stewing yeah. about something that made them mad. And, and it all falls back to, to Jerry Eves. Like it, that, <laughs> and it's like that for me to even say that I, I do feel like it's a little lazy on my part, but it, it's the auto like layup take to have, like that's how it feels every time. I mean, if you want to talk about legitimately, you know, Chris Mack not going after this kid. I saw some people on Twitter today, you know, talk about how it's unacceptable that they wouldn't do this, but they wouldn't go after a five-star recruit. And I think if you do that, you're holding Chris Mack to a recruiting standard that has never really been the standard at Louisville basketball, like never. Right. So I don't, I don't even know what we're doing here. I I do want to say, Chris, I, I, I have heard 
uh, sort of I, in reading around, I've seen some people say that there has been contact between Wagner's folks, you know, co- more specifically his coaches and not necessarily with him directly and his family, um, mm-hmm. but not the type of stuff that would show up in this type of story. Apparently there was a zoom call um, was, was, was something I read supposedly. Um, so, so, you know, that is what it is, but no, I hundred percent agree with you. And I tweeted, it's like, listen, it doesn't take critical thinking to know why Louisville isn't pursuing DJ Wagner. We, we already know, like, Okay, so yes, Milt Wagner went to Louisville, legend, <laughs> honored, retired, Jersey, et cetera, et cetera. We're not gonna, you know, we're, we're, no one's gonna lie, and no one's gonna, you know, no one's gonna dismiss all that. But his dad didn't go to Louisville. His dad has a relationship with John Calipari. Like that's yeah. that probably weighs more than what my his grandfather did. To be honest, you know, like, no, let's be let's be fair about that, and then let's also be fair about the fact that Chris Mack has done this before with chasing not even that high level, high but high level basketball recruits, and it didn't go well. And <laughs> and I don't think that that's the Chris Mack that's not in the three-year plan for Chris Mack's Louisville basketball roster is to throw the kitchen sink at top five guys because he gets left with rosters like he had last season where he just wasn't, it it wasn't deep enough, you know? And honestly, I think we've, I don't know if it was you or me that pointed this out, uh, but we've talked about this before, how I think that when Mac came to Louisville, he felt the need to recruit to a, yes, you know, a, a bit of a different level than he had previously been comfortable with. And I think right. that kind of bit him in the ass. I, I, it did. Um, it did. So I, you know, I think that he's, it's just different in basketball. You can do it so many different ways. I, I, you know, people say it's, it's, it's easier in basketball to get a couple five stars and like have a talented team. And while that's true, I, I, I think you can do it so many different ways in basketball because coaching is so magnified. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's not like, you know, in football where every year, generally, if you have the most five stars, you're going to have a very good opportunity to be in the playoff. Like I, I don't see it that way at all. Right. Um, but I don't even want to make this 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 article a conversation about recruiting Sanders. Like we know what it is. Like <laughs> the, the, the highest guys that have came to U of L have been, you know, the, virtually for the most part they've been bust. I mean, you're looking at like the Samardo Samuels, um, the Wayne Blackshear, who I wouldn't say is a bust, but didn't live up to the expectations that you know it, it were there for him. And then you have like a VJ King, and it, you know, the, go on the list. Sebastian Telfair never played. Like whatever you want to say. The right. guys that Louisville have really heavily got involved with that were very elite talents, it really hasn't worked out all. Exactly. So, so I mean, yeah, I don't know. I no, no, I, but I that's that's that, a great point. And I think, I mean, I think that's the basketball point of view of this, hundred percent. So, I don't know. It's it's so interesting. It's. It is interesting to me that there's like still like a group of like five or six old people that still have it out for Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> And, and, you know, I, I, one, one name I hadn't really seen mentioned and honestly, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to take credit for being like really smart because I just thought about this, but you know, UofL just hired Daryl Griffith to, to be yeah. an alumni sort of soothsayer coordinator. coordinator. Uh, yeah, I thought it, yeah. So he works for the university. I, I imagine this is sort of his purview. I, you know, I do find it. I, I, I will say this, Chris, I do find it really interesting that several guys now have felt the need to go to Rick Bozich to talk about this, as opposed to going to Daryl Griffith and and the administration. It's been solely on a few occasions though, hasn't it? Yes, it has been solely too. It has been solely too. Okay. It's just been like local media in general, but it's been the same like type but of Bozich, like, I know, think I think Bozich primarily just because he has those relationships and then yeah. Sully 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 I feel like Sully's stories have been like following up Bozich in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think the Butch Beer stuff, like he went to Butch Beard after the first story came out. It's like, okay, you gotta give me more context here. Mm-hmm. Probably went to his house. <laughs> <laughs> flew, down, flew down to Miami, knocked on the door. Yeah. But you're, but like, I don't know, like this, it, it, as we sort of said at the top, this 100% was about COVID. And then it turned into, oh, yeah, you know, 
how's it going with DJ Wagner? Uh, you know, yeah. it's, he's, it's good, but you know, no Louisville hasn't gotten a hold of him. I'm kind of surprised about that. Oh, really? Huh? That's weird. And yeah. like, listen, like I said, like it, Rick Bosich has been in this town long enough. He knows why no one is, why Louisville is not making DJ Wagner. It's priority of priorities or a priority. And, and he's, he's not writing this article in the middle of December or the middle of February. It's very weird to me that he, well, not weird, but it's very like, Hmm, of me, of him to write this on the day that literally recruiting started, the recruiting period started. Yeah. the evaluation period. That's, that's, that's a big hmm, emoji. <laughs> you know, I said this the other day, I like, I'm, I'm annoyed by plenty of stuff. I'm annoyed. Like the, the university of Lowell is very slow to honor people. Yeah. I, I think that Definitely. the West, that the West Uncle stuff still rubs me the wrong way. I, I think even something as basic as like Russ Smith, not having his Jersey retired or his number retired or anything like that bothers me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, so are there, I mean, there's stuff there to, to definitely like nitpick at. I, I hope that there's some type of like recognition of, of even Howard Snellenberger, uh, because we haven't heard anything on that front. That, um, listen, but uh, man, <laughs> that's bizarre to me. Um, but you know, um, I don't trust Scott Satterfield to tie his own shoes in the morning. So <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath for that big dog. Uh, <laughs> We're going to have such a good time discussing this football team. I can't wait. It's going to be oh, great. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I'm not, I will say I'm not, I, I'm not as tuned in. It's hard for me to be tuned in to this football recruiting cycle just because I don't really know what to make of all this stuff, but I just, it, I don't know, man. I, I just, keep... you, you, you don't know what to make of, you know, throwing offers at uh, players with Tulane and, and app state offers and ignoring the people in your backyard that are for, you know, four star nah, recruits. Yeah. That's um, that's, it's a deal. And uh, very, very interesting. Very interesting. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that. I'm sure. Uh, but Chris, yeah. um, let's move on to Marcus Carr. Uh, cause it, it's, it's, I think probably the, the story that matters the most right now that's in the public consciousness. Um, absolutely. The, uh, golden gopher, former by way of, of, of Pitt, former Pitt Panther, um, Marcus Carr, uh, announced that he was withdrawing his name from the NBA draft, um, on Monday. And he listed Louisville as one of his final four schools alongside Kentucky, Kansas, and Texas. Uh, it sounds like the decision will be made, quote, in the coming weeks. Uh, Chris, I think both you and I and, and pretty much everyone has heard that probably the betting favorite is Texas. By how much, it depends on the person. You know, you could say 80-20, 60-40 between them and Louisville. Kansas, we probably can take off the list because they've just, they're, they're full. Um, and then Kentucky doesn't really seem like an option um, either. And they're not really, they're mo- more so focused on Kofi Cockburn, it sounds like. Right. Uh, so, Chris, I, I, let's start here. Why, how important is this get for Louisville and Chris Mack this season? And what would Marcus Carr change for this Louisville basketball roster. I'm just going to interrupt every time we're doing the podcast to tell you that Ghana's just airballed a free throw. But, um, I'm just going to say that every time because the finals are on right now. Anyway, um, as, as far as what he would mean to this team, I mean, it, it, it it's everything we have talked about for however long we've been doing this podcast for three years that the Louisville basketball team has been lacking toughness, hundred percent, but a subplot to that has usually been that they're lacking a playmaker. Um, yep. and you know, this team, I, I like this team a lot. Um, I think there's a lot of like good parts, right. but the sum of it, I, I don't know about, and you know, Marcus Carr answers all those questions. I know people have knocked like his usage and his, he's he's ineffective and and things like that and i think some of that kind of goes away when you're away from minnesota and you you have you know more talent around you um so in a nutshell i i i think it's you know one of the biggest players that mac has been involved with at uofl and getting him would just mean everything to this team i i think you take them to right now 
despite what people say, I would have them as like a fringe top 25 team. Right. Um, and, and getting him would move them to that, that 10 to 15 area. That's a huge, massive jump. So you would call him a must, a must add. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think That's in the context, the <laughs> no, I, I think in the context of what has happened for Mac at U of L, yes, because you miss Caleb Love, um, who you know is what he is in North Carolina. I think he's yeah. been better than probably he produced. Um, you ran on DJ Stewart, you struck out on that. Um, both of those things didn't really matter much because yeah, you got Carly Jones. That was great. But you know, David Johnson, um, it was not a success. <laughs> uh, you know, I, it was, it was okay. It was fine, but I don't think it had its moments. It, it had its bright spots. Yeah. I don't think you can call it a success. And, and I mean, even go, go really far back. I heard someone mention this the other day. You've had like mobile beat in on really elite guards. Like you even had a guy like Darren Fox say that U of L was in his top three. Right. Um, and, and he, and he goes to Kentucky, you missed Devin Askew who turned out, obviously was not good at you. Okay. But it's just <laughs> like the, the, the combination of that stuff, you need a guy like this. I mean, you need right. a playmaker guard and in college basketball, you can miss on centers. You can miss on a, a power four because those guys are out there, but Every single March madness. What happens is it's determined by the best point guard or the best shooting guard or the Russ Smiths or the Peyton Seavis. You just need this guy. I mean, it's a, it's a huge, huge story. And I've gotten to that point to where like, if Mac misses here, he has already told you that they want to add someone. So if he misses here, you know, maybe you go after the the kid from Alabama, the Shackleford kid. I don't know. But I think this team can be really good. And I really like L Ellis. I I think Jared West is better than some people think. I am not high on Mike James, but some people like him. I mean, uh, (laughs) you need him. You do. I mean, I I don't know what else to say. No, no. I I think it's fair. I I think I struggle with the, 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 is it a, a need, an absolute need, a must get for Chris Mack? Because that's just, that's, that's radio. That's, you know, it is. that's it sports is. radio table setting. And I agree. I, I think the ceiling with Marcus Carr is so much higher than it is with without him I, I, he does increase the ceiling not not so much but we, we have gone into this season we say this is you and i have both agreed this is a make or break season i think fans believe this is a make or break season for chris mack i think chris mack believes this is a make or break season for chris mack at yeah. so I, I, you, I don't think he's in a situation to where whatever he does he's going to be like getting fired but you you lose a majority of the fan support it feels that way anyway this is this is the the this is the season that tells us what it's going to look like in the near future. Is he a person destined for, for going out the door or is he a person that we, okay, we, we bought, this is what we bought, right? This is what we, we told ourselves we were getting. We're finally getting that. Um, And you and I both believe that that type of season is a second weekend season. I think this team as constructed can make the second, second weekend uh, of, of the NCAA tournament. I think that's going to be dependent on matchups. I think that's going to be dependent on a few health and a few other things. Marcus Carr makes that, that buffer zone, that, you know, opportunity for mistakes. It, it, he increases that buffer. He, 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 sure, and I mean, he makes it a, a little easier to, to think of this team a lot easier to think of this team as a second weekend team. And you can go down the list without him. You need, a guy like Sammy Williamson to, I don't know, shoot 35% from three. Right. You need him to, to, you know, develop an actual consistent jumper. You need Jalen Withers to be a dominant force and you need L Ellis to be a steady guard and you need Jarrett West to be like kind of a veteran leader off the bench or, you know, maybe some spot starts. I don't even know how that looks. Yeah. And then if you bring him in exactly what you said, like you, you go from saying, you know, we need these three things to happen to make a second weekend right. to saying if these three things happen, hell, this could be a final 14, you know, and that's, that's kind of where you go. You, you get an opportunity to dream 
with with a guy like Marcus Carr. And that's like I, I've gotten the more we went on, the more stronger I've gotten about this. We have to realign, you know, what the expectations are of mobile basketball. This isn't a, a spot to where you say like, if this guy doesn't come here, well, I, I don't know what you want us to do because we're over like the, uh, the NCAA stuff is over Louisville's head. No, it's, it's not that in this right. instance, right. You know where they're going to be next season. You can make, relatively make that assurance with a hundred percent certainty, you know, that they're going to be eligible for the NCAA tournament. Next year. So that is not like a legitimate excuse here. You go win this battle. Yes. That's, that's kind of the way, where I'm at with it. I'm, I'm pretty strong on this. No, I, I think that's fair. And I, I think we're on the same thing. I, I just, you know, I'm not going to listen to Kentucky fans concern troll about, Oh, this is why Louisville, Louisville media is terrible because they don't think it's a must win. Listen, man, I'm not counting. It's radio fodder. It's radio fodder. And yes, do I think, do I, would it be a loss for Chris Mack to not get this guy? If he doesn't get anybody else. I I mean, I I think I don't know. I I don't know that much about Shackelford, but I think he needs one more playmaker. I think everyone needs that. I think he knows. He knows. No clue clue if Lobo would be on him, but he's a really good player. He's a good, he's a good player, but you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that this team is, Oh, now they're going to be set, you know, bottom of the ACC without him. That's what I feel like. Some of those like comments have been like pointed at, you know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's not the same. Um, a, a few stats. Cause I just wanted to point some of this stuff out. You know, Jeff Greer did a really good write up. If you're a subscriber of his newsletter, um, a, a good write up and kind of outlined, you know, in comparison to Carly Jones, the type of impact they could have, um, Marcus Carr compared to Carly Jones. So the one that jumped out to me was um, it's a lot of this about drawing fouls. So, right. Fouls drawn per 40 minutes, 5.8 fouls drawn per 40 minutes for Marcus Carr compared to 4.5 to Carly Jones, which is insane. That's insane. That's an insane number, Uh, number percentage of possessions ending with a score when the player had the ball 42.1%, which is identical to Carly Jones just to show you. And that's really high as well. Um, You know, he was great in the, in the pick and roll, which we know Chris Mack will loves. Um, you know, over one in points per possession, points per possession in transition, you know, great, great athletically. Um, he's just a good playmaker. And, and, you know, if we're talking about this little basketball team, it's hopefully going to have a lot better shooting. They're going to need people to get them the ball. And what is go ahead. for you? What is the Ross McMain's angle here? Because I feel like that's a major like selling point of Mac. I hundred percent right? agree with you. A hundred percent agree with you. And then we're talking about a guy, you know, we, we, we have been singing the praises of, of Ross McBain. You know, I think that was our last pod was, you know, sort of his introduction. Um, he, you know, I, I think the fact that he has experience getting guys ready for the draft has to be really you know, something that's, that's alluring and attracting for Louisville for a guy like Marcus Carr, who really obviously wants to go to the league. He sees this. I think if Carly Jones gets drafted, you know, sees what's happening with Carly Jones, that would be great. You know, that's probably already going to, that's, he'll probably have made a decision before then, but, you know, just seeing that type of stuff of, you know, Chris Mack can get guys to the league in certain, you know, in this type of position. And like, I'm going to prepare you for the league. Ross McMaines is going to prepare you for the league. And you can go do it. Um, and playing this attractive style, because good God was Minnesota tough to watch. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I think those usage rate things, as you mentioned, it's a lot of that was because he just didn't have enough around him and things weren't going on. Yeah. And, and Big Ten basketball is just like, I don't know. It's, 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 it's really <laughs> it's, it's really different. Like, it's just like you have a lot of like talented big men. And like uh, a lot of the games are predicated towards that kind of mismatch or whoever has that advantage in the post. Like that's usually how it goes. And I don't know. I feel like ACC and even like SEC is a lot more free flowing basketball um, than <laughs> than Big Ten would ever be. It was so. I, this is random because I have the finals on the TV, but it was so predictable that I don't. I don't know how much of game one you watch, but the I calls. The yeah. The calls were so slanted towards the Suns. Right. It was so predictable that tonight uh, they would be like the Bucks have already got like three or four calls. So I'm like, what's the score right know, now? I don't have any. It's it's thirty two thirty. It's probably oh. going to end up being like a pretty like 
down to the wire close game. It appears <laughs> that way right now. We'll see. So you're saying um, we should we we got to move on then? <laughs> oh no, it's, it's, no, no, you're it's, fine. It's, it's, with you. <laughs> it, it, it's it's the second quarter right now. You know how NBA games go. If someone gets about 14, it's still going to be a game. So it's whatever. I really um, enjoyed game one, and I, yeah, definitely. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop on game two for sure. I wanted to ask you anyway, like while we're here, how much less or more enjoyment of these NBA finals and NBA semifinals have you had without like the Lakers or like the Celtics or like the Warriors or any of the big name, like teams, big market teams in there. I don't think any less, I will admit I haven't watched a ton of Suns just because it was late. They're the late games. Um, that's going to be the case for mostly anybody, but I watched some of their Lakers games. Um, but I, I, I find, I find the bucks to be incredibly like compelling for like the good and the bad reasons you have Giannis who like, like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know Giannis personally, but he just seems like of the superstars, like the superstar that could be my friend. Like yeah. I just would be buddies with that guy. He seems like a right. goofball. He seemed he's really nice, endearing. Obviously, came you know has an incredible background and an incredible story. Um, and then you've got Drew Holiday, who's like always been one of my favorite like workman NBA players just for a long time. Um, you know, I like Middleton. And then just like the fact that they have this absolute trash coach in Boonholzer who just threatens Dude. to take things apart at any moment. It's so <laughs> insane how bad he is. And I was I was talking to someone about this the other day. It's like from game to game, he's actually like he's a decent coach. But in game, it is amazing how yes. little like everyone can watch the game and be like, this is happening. You should probably do something about mm-hmm. it. And he's just like, no, I'm good. <laughs> like it's it's crazy, man. Um it and he always looks like he's in pain or like like someone's doing something to him that he yeah. doesn't like. It's 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 weird. Yeah, I obviously I watch a, a lot of the Don games. I actually fell asleep during the Terrence Mann game because the the Jazz were up. It was like I fell asleep at halftime. Woke up and the Jazz were still up by like twenty two in the third quarter. I'm like I'm going to bed. I'm falling asleep. Like hopefully this is and then I wake up the next morning. <laughs> the Jazz just shit the bed. Um, I'm really, I'm really done with the Suns and Four guy. I will say that I'm done like, with Suns and Four. My, I, I'm in an NBA group chat with buddies from high school, and they are just all in on this like Suns memeness and Chris Paul being a meme. I fucking hate Chris Paul. Guy. So like, none and of this is enjoyable for me. I like Chris. I don't hate Chris Paul. Like, I like the idea of Chris Paul. I, my, my number one Chris <laughs> Paul thing is like his, that he's like obsessed with his son and like his. son son is like a social media personality um so yeah. like i i got there i i have posted he, he, a lot he of got fun. he got you on the dad aspect he got me on the no but just like it, it's just like corny it's just like incredibly corny um yeah. i i after after um after the Hawks beat the Knicks, I, I, I enjoyed watching them. I will admit just like every, they were just incredibly compelling every step of the way. The Eastern conference games have just been so good. Just yeah, the whole no, it's, way. It's, and it's dude, after, after seeing Kevin Durant play basketball in person. Oh my God. I'll never, I, I, dude, it's just, I, I'll, I'll never understand how they lost that series. Um, it's I, uh yeah, those were those were unbelievable games. I mean, obviously it's because they were hurt, but yeah, the yeah, unbelievable. Crazy. Well, Chris, uh, I think the other big story, which we, we kind of are coming on the tail end of it, and there's a new story every day about uh, name, image, likeness. But the NIL started officially on July the first. We are in the post, sort of not really post amateurism, but definitely like in a not quite amateurism era now, Chris, yeah. does it feel any different to you? Does it, <laughs> I, I don't think it's felt really like different too much yet. Um, maybe eventually I, I think when, like, if you start seeing situations where like middle of the season, maybe like a guy has like a, a really big run and then you see some type of like deal come mm-hmm. out in the middle of the season, it'll feel like, kind of strange it, it it is like it was weird to see like 
the entire Kentucky basketball team go on cameo, like all together in one day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was, that was funny to me. It kind of made me laugh. Um, uh, Johnny's using the other night, I, I said something about this. I don't know if it's you or someone, but, um, he announced his decision, um, you know, whether he was coming back or not on Instagram, but before he did that, he made his profile private. So you had to follow him to watch the decision. And I just thought that was a really, really smart move back yeah. um, to, to do stuff like that. So little stuff like that, it's like interesting to me, but I, I don't know. I haven't noticed like a huge difference yet. Yeah, no. And I think especially on the Louisville end, like, yeah, we joked about Samuel Williamson, you know, did his, his deal, him and Malik, they did a little like post for, uh, for Royals, which I thought was really funny. Um, but in general, I just wanted to kind of note this because, and, and this is definitely like a wait and see thing. You mentioned Kentucky. I just, I, I do want to want to see how Louisville, how this affects Louisville in the, in the long term. not to sound like a Louisville Homer radio host guy, but like, you've got to admit just like unbiasedly, this is Louisville, even the open doors group. That's been one of the top sort of app purveyors. Um, they said Louisville was one of the most pre- pre- you know prepared for schools for this at every level. And I'm really interested when you compare that response, you compare the Vince Tyree response to the Mitch Barnhart response at Kentucky. And obviously he's not a fan and it does not seem like they have all of their ducks in a row. Obviously Calipari is going to have his guys do things. He doesn't necessarily need this to, to, to sell branding, but I am interested in what you think sort of, do you see this being a, like a a real asset for Louisville moving forward? Cause I'm, I'm kind of inclined to believe that it will be. And maybe I'm just, I'm just a sucker and being sold that, but it, it does feel like Louisville, is a little more prepared than the majority of schools to, to handle well, this. I, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to be too strong on much. Um, but I, I think that any university or any city that's more of like a forward thinking progressive type city or university is going to have an advantage because they're just going to be more embracing of. It. Yeah. Um, so anytime you can do something about that and it's a conversation from your AD and from, from, you know, the top down of mm. people saying, yeah, this is a good thing. You're going to have an advantage because you're going to be more excited. They're going to be more excited about it. I, you know, I, I don't know if Louisville's more positioned to just rack up a tons of deals in the community. I, I, I can't answer that because over the last few years, we've seen what, you know, I don't, I don't know where that money's coming from. I just saw the other day that Miami had, they got a guy like ponying up. Yeah. The MMA you know, what, what gym guy. Yeah, what is it like eighty thousand dollars for you know everybody on the football roster or something insane like yeah, that? that every totally every Rome, but I think every player on the roster is going to get six thousand dollars in, yeah, in, so in a like, year over the course of a year. Stuff like that, you know, there are people in in the city of Louisville that could do stuff like that. Um, you know, but whether they they will or won't, I I, I don't know. I heard of. Uh, Gunnar Brewer on the radio today. And he actually like, he said something to the, to along the lines of that. He thought the city of Louisville was uniquely positioned to, to do something like that. And he specifically mentioned Miami. And I was like, yeah, bro, you think that? So I, I, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting that <laughs> yeah. he, he had those comments. Cause I don't know where that money is coming from, but you know, maybe, maybe it's there. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It will be interesting. I, I definitely, I, you know, as I said, I haven't really noticed as much Louisville kind of players and maybe there's just bigger things in the works, but um, it does seem like it's going to be integrated into sort of what they do and in, in, in all times. And that's super interesting to me. Um, so we'll see. I just want to mention, go ahead. Do you think that in terms of like college basketball, that losing a player in his recruitment to overseas basketball kind of becomes a little bit of a lame excuse because you, you can sell, you know, NLI, you can sell something I've thought about is, you know, you go and have a good 
March Madness, even if you like, you know, you win a game, you hit a game winner, you just have like an incredible game, like the Jalen Suggs half court shot. You could have, you know, made a shit ton of money off of that in general. Like you go have a good March Madness. Not only are you saying, you know, this is the best position to increase your draft stock, but it's also the best position for you to make money. Right. Um, you know, immediately I, I, I kind of wonder if that becomes like a bit of like a soft excuse if you're losing guys to go play basketball in Europe. I, I, I've kind of always felt that way just because I, I, you know, at least in the, in the recent term, just because it's so much harder to build a quote unquote brand. This is just me being a marketing person. It's just so much harder to build a brand coming from that side. I mean, look at a guy like who is the dude who like the, the one guy, how oh man, it's like on the tip of my tongue. Um, I think his name was Brandon something. Um, who, who was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go to Europe and get paid for a year. And he came back and he was the fourth pick. And it was like, no one knew who he was. <laughs> it was like, it's just like being a part of, and, and why I a hundred percent don't, I don't agree with anyone saying that, that anything can replace college basketball fully because there's so much built in publicity and built in caring about it just because people are always going to love the cities that they went, you know, the, the, or the, the, the colleges they went to and the time they spent at four years at a university, there's always going to have that. So why would you give up that branding opportunity when, you know, no one's going to show you, no one's, no one's showing Euro league like on ESPN at 8 PM, you know, sure. <laughs> you're just not getting that. So I agree. Yeah. And I, this only feeds into that to answer your question, a hundred percent. I've already thought that that wasn't really a winning formula for folks. Like maybe, you know, in some ways, but now you're right. No, like definitely you, there are definitely kids, definitely kids who, you know, they need the money. And now instead of like, okay, I could make $150,000 playing in Greece. Now they could make $75,000 playing at Louisville or. Yeah. Or even if it's like 50 K and you want to say, you know, like just wait, like just have an opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament and you can probably double that money. (laughs) I mean, even if it's not playing, you know, I, I, I think the selling point could change from, you know, go to the NCAA tournament and, you know, show up for the, mm-hmm. you could show players or show scouts, um, you know, what you can do in the NBA to go to the NCAA tournament and, you know, make yourself some more money. Like literally. It's so. That's going to be super interesting. The kid who like, you know, like what Eric, what uh, Admus was from, from, uh, from Oral or just, or, or just a guy like, like Tim Henderson. Yeah, no, like Tim Henderson, like instantly on, on, you know, just up his cameo to $150 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. like, let the money roll in, man. And it'll work. Sure. It'll a hundred percent work a hundred percent. And I, I, one thing that's interesting is I think, you know, I was reading someone talk about it. I, I forget. I think Matt Brown's his name who runs the, he sort of runs like a business of college sports newsletter. Uh, yeah. I think points. he wrote for SB nation. At one he point. wrote for SB nation at one point and he wrote a book, uh, he, he, he more, spe- more so college football, but he talked about the fact that he really feels like the schools that are going to do the best are in this sweet spot of like, like almost like Texas, not so much like Miami, not really just like schools that uh, sort of like where Louisville is, where it's the media market cares in these smaller communities and smaller towns like where, you know, they're going to be able to be the main like advertiser. Right. So like he used an example of like Iowa, like Iowa doesn't have a professional team, but it's like a kid in Iowa is going to be able to sell himself to the whole state of Iowa which is like, yeah, like, okay, Iowa's not, you know, where's the University of Iowa and, and Des Moines? Like, it's not, it's not that big a city, but the whole state of Iowa is like 7 million people, 10 million people. And like all of them freaking love the Iowa Hawkeyes. Right. <laughs> so um, that type of thing, you know, and, and I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who succeeds and who doesn't. And that type of stuff is going to take five to 10 years to really get a good idea about. Um, but it's, I, I'm, I'm very interested in what this means long-term just cause that's like the marketing guy in me, but I just wanted to mention. Yeah, no, I'm glad we could talk about it. We will see what, what happens in the future. 
All right. Close to close things out. Um, I want to, you know, we wanted to talk a little bit, it's been a wild week in like Louisville politics, um, Chris. So we'll start, we'll, we can start with Charles Booker, even though that was definitely, um, you know, definitely more expected, you know, Charles Booker, I think Thursday of, of last week announces his run. Um, you know, we all knew he was already going to run for Senate. He announced he had his, you know, his committee, um, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't a surprise, like the other announcement we're going to talk about, but uh, you know, did you have any kind of thoughts on the, on the rollout, what it looks like, you know, you know, were you any, anything in particular come out to you, Chris? No, I, I think that Charles Booker has to be like careful of getting to the point to, uh, it's kind of maybe like a lazy comparison but whatever. <laughs> to where like like Bernie was in his second campaign to where some of the stuff came out and it was just kind of corny yeah like I, I, where it's like you know I, where like Bernie bros became a thing and like it was just like kind of like this online meme yeah. of like people people just I, I don't know if like Booker may not even care if that becomes a thing, but I, I, that was something I noticed like immediately when he, when he kind of wrote that out is that there were like some people that are like, you know, Charles Booker announcements all over my Instagram are going to be annoying as hell for the next like two weeks. Like, you know, and that's good. Like you want that. Like, I don't, I don't even know how you balance that. You want people sharing that stuff. And it's good to see because I personally will be supporting Charles Booker as much as I possibly can. So I will be one of those annoying people doing that. Um, but you know, that, that was like my major takeaway. Like that's, that was the one thing that I did pick up on was, um, you know, kind of falling into that little, little area. No, definitely. And, um, it, it'll be super interesting, you know, it's hard to say, you know, comparing Rand Paul to Mitch McConnell. I, I don't, I don't, part of me thinks I, I, I think he's definitely more susceptible than, that's than what Mitch, I was say. Mitch McConnell would ever be a hundred percent. What I was going to say, I, I think, I think he's definitely much more susceptible, um, which will be interesting. And we already saw him make, you know, some, some missteps in his first email about Charles Booker. He used <laughs> yeah. racial instead of radical. Um, right. But, you know, it, he can make those things like those mistakes. Like that's not going to matter. It's just, it's just little things. Um, I don't know what it will take. I, I think it's just going to take a lot of momentum from just Booker, just like continued momentum that the type of momentum he had that he almost beat uh, Amy McGrath, that type of momentum. Yeah. It's what it's going to take. And this is going to be a long, long race. I mean, you think about it, this, this thing isn't, it's not going to, you know, it, it's not happening for 18 months. So, you know, 14 and months. That, I mean, that stuff is so organic. You just, you got to figure out how you recreate that because all of that felt like to me that, you know, if Charles Booker had just another month. He would have took over Amy McGrath. Yeah. Like it, it, it felt like one of those things like where three if weeks. Was just a, a little bit more time, it would have happened. Um, and then, then you would have seen what happened in the general. Who knows? But uh, you know, it's it's re it's really tough to to recreate that that type of atmosphere. But there's not going to be any person um, <laughs> that's going to be working as hard as me to, to try to get that man elected. So definitely. I am, and I'm, I'm I looking am forward for to that. Looking for that for sure. Um, the other story, Chris, which was sort of a surprise. This is, um, this is the good stuff though here, man. Like I love this. Uh, it's that Attica Scott, uh, who is a state legislature, state legislator as well. Um, represents part of the West end and a district that kind of, moves across downtown and like pe- some people in Crescent Hill, Attica Scott is there as their representative. Um, she announced that she is running for um, John Yarmus congressional seat, which is quite fascinating and quite interesting. Um, you know, it, it sort of her rollout of her campaign. Um, it wasn't, you know, quite in the style of what, you know, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and um, 
and you know sort of members of the the squad or whatever it's not been that type of campaign where she's really outwardly challenging john yarmouth saying john yarmouth has failed you know i don't think john yarmouth is that type of incumbent in this situation um and and you know philip bailey who used to write for the Courier journal now writes for you know usa today um sort of had a tweet thread which i can put in i don't have it in front of me but basically to the point of you know i've been told that this is more about her getting her name out there than anything else sure um i i I do wonder i you know it's funny that we mentioned charles booker because i can see her picking up a similar type of momentum that it felt like charles booker had for sure sure. um and i do wonder if you kind of feel that type of tide how much that messaging changes like I, I could totally see her go a little bit more attack of, of, okay, this is not just an opportunity for me to, you know, get my name out there. This is an opportunity for me to win now. Now, how do I approach this race? I, I I'm curious to watch that. That's going to, you know, hundred percent because, you know, she had a, she had like a, a press conference and people asked her specifically about Yarmouth and she didn't take the bait in terms of, you know, attacking him. She's mentioned it's all about, you know, representation and you know you know having the community of louisville a multicultural community have someone that looks like them in congress which understandable i completely agree i'm you know i I, i'm a fan of attica scott's i'm concerned i i think this was a natural you know route for her in terms of you know Johnny Arms is what I think he's like 78, like 76, yep. you know, he's not going to be around for probably more than another term or two. So hundred percent getting her name out there. And then also with all the, there's been all those rumors about, about what, uh, you know, the new redistricting will look like. And maybe she would have to, you know, she would go up against one of her, you know, fellow colleagues who represents parts of the, the West end. And, and that might not be the, the path she's looking to go down. Um, you know, so it's interesting. I, I think it's going to be super interesting to see moving forward. You know, how long is she sort of keep this sort of like detente, this kind of like passive criticism, but not really direct, you know, does she go the entire time with doing that? We'll, we'll see. Sure. Um, I don't know. What, what did you, did you read anything about the, uh, um, the Breonna Taylor part of it? Did you I did not. I, did, I, I didn't see that part. What What was that? Well, that part? there's, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm only speaking in, and this is only in tweets I've seen and, in in scuttlebutt that I've seen um, that, and obviously, you know, Brianna Taylor's mom, Tamika Palmer, um, apparently is not a fan of Attica Scott's and there's been some, some fallout between them. She mentioned on her Facebook that she's supporting Johnny Armuth specifically after the announcement came out. Um, and, you know, I've seen some consternation that, you know, Breonna Taylor's featured pretty prominently on Attic Scott's website. She's using, you know, her photo and stuff. And some folks, you know, of honestly, of, of multiple different backgrounds, you know, having a little bit of difficulty with, you know, you if 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 her mom isn't a fan of you, you know, maybe you should refrain from using her image, her likeness, you know, uh, everywhere. I, I think it's sure. difficult. I mean, I think, I, I think obviously activism is a huge part of who she is. She's done a great job of it. And that's why she's one of the leaders, I think of, of, you know, progressive folks in this city. That's so, so for her to shy away from that, I don't really, I, 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 I it's hard for me to, to agree with that being the right decision. Um, no, I think but it's just is, another, I mean, it's another thing to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. I think that is curious. And I'm, <laughs> I'm interested to um, see over the next two years how much Brianna Taylor becomes a political um, definitely thing because um, it's yeah. definitely going to become a political thing. I mean, um, you saw and, you saw Rand Paul. I mean, you know, he made it about defund the police, and you know, he brought out Christopher Two X, and it's just, and that's it's, you know what that that is <laughs> that is literally you're just seeing the the mayor race, but yes. a a a much larger version of that that is going to be the the entire mayor race is going to be about the LMPD and I you know (laughs) I can't imagine what else is going to be about but that's that's what you're seeing definitely definitely um it'd be super interesting it's 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 definitely something to keep an eye on something we'll definitely be keeping an eye on um you know and and 
even just in general, just the other activists who are running, like we mentioned the mayoral race, you know, there's a, a couple of folks who have been active in that community who are, who are running. Um, and we'll, we'll see sort of how that, how that impacts things. I don't know. That, that's a whole other thing. It's, it's, it's going to be so interesting to have all three of these races happening in 2022, this mayoral race, this Senate race, and this, now this interesting primary, um, that's all going to be super interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, you're probably going to see, you know, some of the people that are in these Senate races indirectly, you know, I, I think there's going to be heavy, heavy involvement from a lot of different people in the mayor races. So there's probably going to be a lot of endorsements from people that are candidates in these type of Senate races. Um, so I'm also interested in that as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a really, we, we said enough, it's just a really interesting time for Kentucky politics. I mean, that I'm, I'm super excited to see the mayor race. I'm super excited for the first time in a long time to watch a mayor primary debate. I, 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 I want to <laughs> see it. It's going to we'll be great. See, because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, once you, once you get beyond, you know, defund the police, don't defund the police. Oh, what are your actual actionable yeah. things about fixing the city that has obviously got a lot of things that need to be answered. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm know, definitely I'm, I'm excited. I'm, it's, it does seem Mike Craig Greenberg is, is sort of the, the, the leader in the clubhouse right now. I'm interested in seeing what his platform is. What mm-hmm. does he actually believe? He, he, did you see he tweeted about your beloved Louisville gardens? I did. I did see that. I, I, I have a, an alert for any time a little garden. Oh. Goes off. I, re- <laughs> I know I really, I really don't have that, but I, I, my, you you anytime a little garden tweet does go off my, I think my ears park, perk up somewhere. Um, but yeah, man, like I, I, that's another thing is I, I think you're going to have to do some digging to find out actually the actual platforms beyond um, the, the police department of some of these people that are running, because I'm not sure you're going to get it um, for, you know, directly from those yeah. people. You're really going to yeah. have to go to these websites and, and seek that information out. Yeah. And we'll definitely, we'll have to see, we'll, we'll, we'll see if anyone else hops in that race. Obviously we had David James leave who, you know, if you had put a gun to my head, to, you know, when he, when he announced he was going to win, I would have told you David James. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's already been quite a, um, a tumultuous, uh, race and we're still a year away from, or 10 months <laughs> away yeah. from anything actually happening on that front, but, uh, it will right. be super interesting. Also the, uh, the, uh, Hill is losing their, uh, their Metro council member, which is, yeah, I saw that. I saw it today as well. So it would be like, you know, that'd be super that happening at the same time as a mayoral, uh, you know, um, and, a and a competitive, um, congressional primary will be super interesting. That's my mom. I used to live in that district. My mom lives in that district and my, my in-laws do. Um, so definitely we'll see who, who runs. There'll be, there was 12 people last time. I remember <laughs> last time that went like empty and it was just an absolute shit show. <laughs> so it sounds very perfect for East Louisville. Uh, very, very perfect for that area for sure. But well, anything else we should, we should get to Chris before we, uh, we wrap this, this return to form up. No, man. Um, you know, uh, England, Italy, on England, Italy, Sunday. who you got? Uh, I'm probably going to pick, I would pick it. it, it uh, I'm stuttering. I would probably pick England, um, but not, not happily. Um, it just kind of feels like. It feels like it's coming home, Chris. <laughs> it just, uh, you know, I mean, that after the, the PK that happened. Um, Dude, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's just wild to watch that scene and just like, we don't have it. You know, we don't have that, man. I, I want that so bad. I just you want said, that. You said that, and that that struck me all different types of way, like eight, nine different <laughs> ways when you said that. But generally, I agree with you. Yes, um, just like I, just the fact that literally every person in the country of England, which obviously the United Kingdom is four different countries, but every person in that area of the world 
cares. Every and yeah, but cares if it, like it's life the, or if, death, Chris. They care. If the that World much. Cup was in the United States and the United States was in a quarterfinal of nope. the World Cup and there's like a nope. final in the Rose Bowl, you nope. know, I think you're wrong. Nope. I don't believe I that think for you're a second. Wrong because I don't believe that for a second. So there's so many fake soccer fans. I believe that like 40 percent of America would care. But not but the thing is like if the US loses, the pe- people wouldn't be upset. Like you'd be like, oh that's a bummer. No, you're right about that. You are. But if, if, but if, if England loses on Saturday, like people will be despondent. But be I, I don't know what you feel about that. Because the U.S. doesn't care. Like, no, it's, it, yeah. it, they're, they're not going to care about the basketball Olympics either. Like mm-hmm. if they get a silver medal, like 100%. people are going to be annoyed, but they're not really going to be bothered because they're just going to say LeBron didn't play. They'll never get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they're going to um, say. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I I I I stand to win a little in a in a pool if, if England wins. So I, I haven't been really rooting for them. I root for the Danes because those are my guys. Uh, I love Denmark. Um, but yeah. I rooted for Raheem Sterling. I'm not rooting yes. for England though. Yes, Raheem Sterling. It and like not to not to like belabor this point, but like England is like they're like a cool like legitimately like they're like a cool group of people. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, like I went to I, I, I took advantage of the opportunity of being very close to a large English population yes. where I'm at and went to I went to a bar in Portland to watch not England, Denmark, but what was the game before that? England, Ukraine. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, a great group of people. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, Raheem Sterling, fantastic guy, you know, Marcus Rashford on the team who doesn't play that much, but he's like good been knighted because he's helped like so much with like poverty. Um, right. The captain of the team, Jordan Henderson tweeted something out, you know, a guy went or a person went to the match who like was, you know, uh, you know, identifies, uh, you know, a different gender and was concerned about like being there and, Jordan Henderson is like, I'm glad you had fun at the match. You deserve to be here as much as anyone else. As like, holy shit, like these people are great people. Like, and yeah. it's just like people love on the internet. People love to like enjoy England losing because it's really funny how often they've like totally blown it at the worst possible time. It's and the happened. Ways they've done it. <laughs> um, but like, legitimately, if these are the guys that break through, like, it's well deserved because they're a good, they're a good group. <laughs> they, I think I'm fine. I think I'm fine with that. But um, yeah. All right, man. I think that's about it. We will we will come back. Hopefully, we'll have some Marcus Carr news, and we'll 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 definitely recap probably some of the recruiting stuff. We didn't even mention Reed Shepard and uh, all the hubbub. There's some hubbub tonight about him. Sounds like that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Man. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Chris, for joining me. And uh, we will be back, and it won't be a month between next time. See you then. Mm-hmm.